Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, these are unprecedented times. We've had mental health, we've talked about breathing, and we've even discussed staying healthy with children in the household. We talked to the Minister for Health as well. This week, it's a little bit different. I want to talk about food, the immune system, and how important nutrition is over the course of the next couple of weeks and possibly months. I'm delighted to be joined by dietitian, friend, and gut expert, Paula Mee. Paula, welcome back to Real Health. Paula, how are you? Thank you. Very good. You're safe and well, I hope. Yes, I am to date, which is great. And uh, I'm enjoying the sunshine and being at home, not having to travel too much. And yeah, I think you need to put a positive spin on things, really. It's giving me a lot of headspace, doing a lot more yoga, um, you know, and getting out every evening for a walk, which is great. Okay, fantastic. Well, you sound positive and empowering as always. You're always great to chat to because you're always super positive. Um, Tell me about gut reaction and stress to start with. I suppose. The last time we were chatting, we kind of got into this as well. So tell us more about how the gut reacts to stress and people are very, very stressed all around the country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose if we we maybe introduce it through the immune system first, that might be of interest, particularly in the present climate. And one thing that we know is the immune system is very, very complex. You know, it's not an isolated system. Um, It's very interconnected with um, other systems like our digestive system, our gut, and even our circulatory system. So, you know, when we think of um, immune cells, we have to remember that they are everywhere. And, um, you know, you'll often read about foods that boost your immune system or supplements that boost your immune system. But really, I suppose that's not terribly helpful because it is very hard to measure the immune system. There are many different biomarkers that we could be using, but um, in any given day, we can't really measure our immune system. There are blood tests we can do, obviously, with the the GP and our doctors. But I suppose I'd be more inclined to be thinking of the immune system as something that needs to be supported at this stage um, or strengthened. Um, Now, it has very specialized cells. And for us to have a very resilient system, a a resilient immune system, we need really to make sure that we're feeding ourselves well. Um, Obviously, there are other things that we can do as well. But when you think of what the immune system does, there are many, many different functions. First of all, it can protect us against viruses and pathogens, bacteria that are harmful to us, um, little parasitic worms, all of that kind of thing. But also the immune system has to protect ourselves against our own malfunctioning cells. So it is constantly working. It's always on. It has to identify um, many malfunctioning cells, clear them away, and um, get rid of them. So, you know, it is relentless, the work that the immune system has to do. And for it to work well, we have to understand that because it's everywhere, um, you know, including the bone marrow, the spleen, um, the lymph nodes, they all contain certain types of immune cells. We need to understand that most of the 
lymphoids tissue and the immune cells are found in the gut. And one of the important things in terms of having a resilient system, uh, immune system, is to make sure that the gut integrity is there, you know, to, to make sure that we have a healthy gut. And obviously, stress can have an impact on that. Stress in many different ways. Stress can mean that we skip meals, that we don't eat very well, that we maybe lean too heavily on alcohol or that we may be smoking too much um, or more than, you know, more than we usually do. Obviously, no smoking is the best idea. But, you know, you'll often find that when people are, are very stressed, they'll do more of the things that they normally do to relax. And some of those are very harmful. Um, so stress, obviously, as well, raises the cortisol levels in our body. And this has a direct impact on some of the cells in the immune system, like the T cells. So there are many, many different cells and there are many different, we have three sort of um, lines of defense in the immune system. The first one really is the skin. And the skin protects us from outside bacteria. Um, but also we have cilia in our lungs, which trap uh, things that shouldn't be in the lungs and get rid of them. We have mucous membranes, which again trap bacteria and get you know and, and get rid of them. So there's a lot of different first line defense mechanisms that we can mount if we have something that's harmful getting into the body. But we also have to remember that you know the gut does a huge amount of work, and we eat a lot every day and all of those nutrients from the foods that we break down and digest in the small intestine have to be taken up and absorbed into the body so the immune cells have to actually recognize that food is harmless and that nutrients are good and allow the nutrients into the body so that we can get them into the blood send them to the liver and then build the components of the body our tissues etc we're, we're literally made of what we eat so all of the tissues, all the cell repair has to be replenished on a daily basis by our carbohydrates, fats, our proteins in particular for the immune system and all of the vitamins and minerals that we need for health. So the immune system, all the cells in the immune system, which is our second line of defense really, can um, identify things like parasites that come in on the food. Because when you imagine all the food we eat, the food and whatever we drink, whatever we put into that into the digestive tract, it's covered in microbes, absolutely covered in microbes. And so the body has to determine, the immune system has to determine what is important for us to get into the body, like nutrients, and what is harmful and what needs to be um, disposed of. So certain types of microbes and parasitic worms. So there's a huge amount of work that our immune systems do. And when you also think of it, I suppose it's interesting that um, there are microbes on the food, but there are also um, a lot of microbes further down the digestive tract. And that's called our microbiome. It's a collection of microbes which are there. And if the uh, balance is right, they can do a lot to talk to our immune system, alert it um, when there is inflammation necessary. Um, it sparks inflammation, but also it dampens it down again. And it, really contains uh, or regulates the immune system. So that's very important, that homeostasis is very important. And those little microbes, the healthy microbes that are good and uh, beneficial to us also produce things like short chain fatty acids, vitamins, um, all of the things that also provide us with health. 
So, you know, the immune system, I suppose, is very closely integrated with our digestive tract. We can't think of them as separate. And um, it is incredible, really, the work of the immune system. When you think of all of the challenges it gets, it gets faced with on an ongoing basis. So in terms of really simple, I suppose, recommendations for the kind of tools our listeners should be having in their diets, um, I'm going to preempt you on it. Presumably colour is one of the key things and a colourful diet and lots of different colours on your plate at mealtime. Yeah, absolutely. So the foods that feed the healthy bacteria in the gut um, would be largely carbohydrate-rich fibre whole foods. So that's really important. So I know a lot of people worry about carbohydrates and they should really because so many of them in our diets are very processed, uh, highly refined and non-nutritious. So those are the ones that you can actually, you know, delete from your diet, get them out of your menu altogether, particularly snack foods and sugary beverages. You know, they are really unnecessary and they can cause the system to, to be stressed. So too much sugar and too many highly refined foods are not good for the digestive tract and they create an imbalance in the good and bad bacteria. And that in turn has a knock on effect on our immune system. It doesn't work as well when we're following that very refined western style diet what we do know is though that if you're eating the right type of carbohydrates and they would be high um, fiber um, unrefined whole grains they can actually really fuel the good bacteria which protect us so um absolutely whole grains are really important and fiber rich foods and obviously the ones you've mentioned the you know colored vegetables like the butternut squash uh, the carrots the sweet potato, they all contain beta carotene, which is a precursor of vitamin A, which is an important vitamin. It's an antioxidant vitamin. And a lot of what we see in terms of the immune problems would be a lot of inflammation, um, a lot of uh, free radical damage and oxidative stress. And these flavonoids that are found in these colored vegetables, like um, your butternut squash, they are fabulous in terms of producing vitamin A, which can counteract some of these free radicals and the damage that they produce. So um, there are other things as well, like the green vegetables, which are really, really important, like broccoli, you know, spinach, those types of vegetables. Again, they're full of fiber, which feeds the good bacteria, but also contain a whole race, a whole range of different vitamins, particularly vitamin C. And vitamin C is really important for the integrity of the mucosal lining. So it's a thin lining in the gut. It has to allow nutrients in, but we have to make sure that it is you know, intact and that it isn't leaving gaps to allow toxins to get into the body, which can cause damage and inflammation. So green vegetables, your brightly colored vegetables, like your orange and yellow vegetables are brilliant. The ones that are high in vitamin C would be usually things like citrus fruits as well, and all sorts of little peppers, you know, green peppers, red peppers, they're brilliant too. Um, okay, because people always go to oranges for the vitamin C as this kind of thing, but you're saying green veg, colored veg. Yeah, yeah, lots of, lots of vit uh, vitamin C and yeah, peppers. If you can produce, um, you know, ratatouille type dishes, not only are you getting maybe, you know, the peppers, but you're also getting the aubergine, which again is a different type of flavonoid and lots of beta carotenes, maybe in carrots. And, you know, so try and vary your vegetables, whether it's a stir fry, whether it's, you know, a, a, a soup. Um, and add in, of course, all of the good things like maybe lots of extra garlic at this time. So 
you know, those types of spices, which are very good for us, uh, they have antimicrobial aspects associated with them as well, particularly garlic. Um, the allicin in garlic can be protective. And the other nutrient that's really interesting is vitamin D, and that has a real important function in um, our immune boosting um, um, or our immune supporting um, uh, system. So vitamin D, it's very difficult to get, as you know. <laughs> it's not found in many foods. Oily fish would be a good source, so salmon or sardines. But, um, you know, we don't find it elsewhere in many different foods. Uh, you can get a little bit in egg, a little bit in mushrooms, so they'd be good foods to include. Um, you can also maybe get a little bit in fortified uh, products like fortified dairy, and uh, that has some vitamin D. Um, we're expected, I suppose, um, you know, to get a little bit from the action of sunlight on our skin, but because we are all minding and watching our skin, we don't really rely on that way to produce vitamin D. And so if you're not eating oily fish every week, you should be really monitoring your blood vitamin D levels and just see whether you might need to supplement or not. Okay. And in terms of carbohydrates, I suppose most people are obviously thinking bread, pasta, spuds and rice. Um, is it true to say getting more colourful versions of those is important too, such as sweet potatoes, brown pasta, brown rice, whole grain bread? So again, it's more colours than bland foods. Yes, absolutely. You know, try and avoid the white versions of any of those foods. You know, there's nothing wrong with the odd slice of white bread, but really there's no real nourishment in it. You, you're, you're looking for the fiber for the good bacteria, but you're also looking for chromium. You're also looking for B vitamins, which are sometimes lost in the processing of those types of foods. And they have to be added back in again. But of course, that's never as good as it being found naturally um, there in the ingredients. So what we know is that ultra-processed diets, foods that have been very, very processed, seem to be equated with a lowering of the immune system's functions and also problems with inflammation in the body. So that's not particularly good. So we want to go for the more natural type sourdough, whole grain bread, brown rice, wild rice. And actually things like quinoa are very interesting because quinoa is actually a seed but quinoa has all of the essential amino acids. So you'll often hear about complete and incomplete proteins. And, you know, this idea that vegetarians might not be able to get all of their amino acids in plant foods. But in fact, that's not quite true because soya bean has all of the essential amino acids and so too does quinoa. So those types of foods, um, they're seeds, but we actually use them like carbohydrates. So making up a big roast uh, a tray of, of vegetables, um, you know, a tray of roasted vegetables, I should say, and mixing that with quinoa and wild rice, those kind of things can be good staples during the week. You can batch cook them as well and then put them with a different protein. So you could have them with maybe, you know, a little bit of chicken, chopped chicken one night um, and maybe with a, a bit of fish another night. But, you know, try and vary your carbohydrates. Are there any symptoms people should be looking out for in terms of gut health imbalances or immune system imbalances that are easily recognizable? Yeah, I suppose we know that people who are very anxious and there, there will be or there may be, um, I suppose, many people who are particularly anxious in the present climate. And that sometimes that emotional stress actually will manifest itself in some of the gut symptoms that we equate particularly with symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome. So we'll see 
people with um, hypersensitive bowels who complain a lot more of abdominal um, distension, of bloating, of abdominal pain, in particular associated with irritable bowel syndrome, and maybe a change in the, the formation of the stool. So they may swing from diarrhea to constipated um, or, you know, um, you know, um, the frequency with which they're having stools. So a lot of that is in somewhat related to emotional aspects, which maybe increase the peristaltic movement of the, the, the muscle. So when you think about it, uh, this, the 30 foot tube inside us is a muscle. And when we start to chew, and uh, release acid and pepsin in the, the stomach to start breaking down proteins, that whole entire muscle starts to move. And um, when we are thinking very anxious thoughts, sometimes that will manifest itself in a very quickening of that peristaltic movement and maybe even a spasm, which can induce things like diarrhea, which means that people really aren't absorbing a lot of the nutrients that they could or should be absorbing and maybe losing a lot of fluid as well. So we have to always look at the symptoms, uh, whether they are you know, abdominal cramp or pain, um, or maybe um, constipation or diarrhea, and treat accordingly. And so there's always dietary changes that you can make if you sense those. But I suppose it's understanding, well, what is happening in my body, and um, how am I maybe contributing to this um, or not? Because in terms of irritable bowel disease, we know that absolutely diet is really important in managing it. And there are certain evidence-based diets now, like the low FODMAP diet, which I have written about in Gut Feeling. Um, but we also know that there are very many alternative uh, therapies that we can try um, for the mind and the emotional body. So things like cognitive behavioral therapy would be really important. You know, just checking in with your thought process and saying, well, What's the evidence for this? You know, um, worrying about getting COVID again and again for every hour and every minute of the day is absolutely not helpful for our bodies physically or mentally. And it can actually lower our immune system if we're catastrophizing or thinking about these types of thoughts for too long and too hard. So I always try and kind of give myself a good five or 10 minutes to either rant about something or to worry myself about something. And then I have a cutoff because, you know, we can get stuck in those types of ways of thinking, which are very unhelpful really for our overall health. Okay, so it's looking at kind of internal factors like along the lines of your diet, but also the, the external factors of, you know, sleep, stress, worry, kind of lifestyle components, you know, t news time and, and, and things like that make yeah. a huge difference. Um, there's a lot of people now who are at home more than normal, um, who are probably cooking more than normal. Are there any really simple do's and don'ts for what they should be doing in terms of, you know, maybe things they're cooking with or things they shouldn't be using for like oils and things like that, or, you know, God forbid, a, a fryer, like a deep fat fryer or something <laughs> kind of scary. Um, are there any simple do's and don'ts for them? Yeah, well, I think it, it, this is a great opportunity because how many times do we get to sit together as families, um, you know, in, in a situation like this? So it can be, obviously, it can be very trying. It can be difficult for parents, you know, they're with their kids 24-7 and probably, you know, 
it's not always going to be easy going, but I would really try and make the meal time a special time for connecting and for talking about various different things that are going on in our lives and for really enjoying foods and for understanding a little bit more about the importance of food. So I, I would say, first of all, make it a bit fun. And if you can do a bit of batch cooking, it really helps. So um, we're not going to the supermarket as often or we shouldn't really be as usual. We should be really trying to plan ahead to see what sort of meals are we going to have during the week. And um, maybe thinking of a protein every evening for the family and then building a meal around that. But instead of just making one meal, we could make maybe three or four and freeze them if you have the capacity for the freezer. So really try and use your freezer. Um, I, I made five soups last week uh, in one afternoon, but I think I might have been just, ah! I bought practically so many vegetables. I thought, right, I'm going to have to do something here. Um, but but that type of thing, you know, you can you can freeze a lot of those soups and um, either give them to neighbors or people who need them or enjoy them yourself over the, the next coming months or whatever. Um, pink color, you know, think color. Uh, you, you really need to be trying to get into every little person in the family at least five fruits and vegetables a day. So that's not always easy. But if you are a parent and you're running short of patience, really try and praise any young person around the table who is trying. So if they try something and they taste something new, take a lot of time to praise that as opposed to give them your attention when they're not, you know, cooperating or when they're not trying something. So praise the behavior you want to see more of. Okay. And I, in terms of obviously breakfast and lunch and kind of dinner suggestions, obviously kind of the lunches and dinners are probably easier because you're saying, you know, lots of color on the plate, have some kind of form yes. of protein, ideally get some fish in if you can. In terms of breakfast suggestions that are good for households? Yeah, well, I, I think pe uh, porridge myself is, is excellent or overnight oats now that it's getting a little bit you know, more sunny. But, you know, instead of just having the porridge and my blueberries and my natural yogurt, I'm now adding in a little bit of ginger every day. So I just get the microplane and I just plain in a little bit of ginger every morning. And you can keep that. I mean, I bought a little bag in the supermarket of five or six pieces and um, keep two or three in your freezer and the rest in your fridge. And, you know, just keep planing that into your porridge in the morning. It's lovely. And um, it, it really helps, I think, in terms of, you know, it's, it's an, it has antimicrobial properties as well. Um, some people might like a little bit of, of uh, lemon and honey in the morning. But generally speaking, I keep it simple. A piece of fruit, whether that's a prebiotic, which is food for the good bacteria, like a banana with my ginger and natural yogurt, which again is a live uh, food. So probiotic foods are very, very important because they give us the opportunity of boosting the levels of good bacteria in our digestive tract. And so if we have more of the good guys, they obviously compete with for food, you know, for nutrients, for the bad, with the bad um, bacteria. And if we can make sure that we're boosting the levels of the good guys on a daily basis, that hugely helps again in terms of the balance and maintaining that as we go. So a probiotic food at, in the morning time, um, a, uh, a slow release carbohydrate to keep you going for the day with a lot of fiber for your microbiome and your antimicrobial agent, whether that's ginger or a little bit of honey or whatever, and uh, your piece of fruit. Um, yeah, so breakfast doesn't have to be complicated, but like a piece of toast, white bread and, and tea isn't enough. Like it just doesn't have enough protein 
um, it's not sufficient. It's not an ample enough breakfast, uh, particularly you know, for young people. So they need the protein. So whether that's nuts or seeds or maybe an egg in the morning, um, you know, if you can get a vegetable in the breakfast, that's brilliant. So some spinach, just rest it on top of your poached eggs, you know, just let it rest there. Put a little bit of chili flake on top of that. You know, it doesn't have to be gourmet, but it has to be quick and nourishing, I think, to give you the best start in the day. Breakfast in your house sounds pretty good now, in all fairness. I'm getting hungry just listening to you. Um, final question. I think there's people, I know we certainly are as a household here, who have increased their tea and coffee intake uh, exponentially to deal with the stress levels that are going on. Let's talk caffeine for a minute and kind of the normal quantity yeah. of caffeine during the day, how much you should have, um, and maybe caffeine alternatives for people who are, you know, drinking their way through tea during the day all day long. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't have a recommended intake for caffeine and there's no RDA or there's no um, there's no real threshold except for if you're um, a pregnant woman um, or maybe you've had a history of miscarriage or um, you have high blood pressure. Then there are restrictions in terms of caffeine. Um, but for the general public, really, it's a matter of balance. And what they would recommend is in and around 300 milligrams, uh, 200 to 300 milligrams would be a pretty standard intake. And that might be two to three cups of coffee per day. Now, a lot of us probably wouldn't reach that. But again, at times like this, as you said, it's a crutch. But to be honest, if you're drinking good coffee, there's a lot of um, strong and good antioxidants found in the cocoa bean. So, you know, that in a way is not the worst thing that you could drink. And, um, you know, it's far better than a sugar sweetened uh, blue drink, let's say, you know, or a, a soft drink, um, which has a lot of carbonation, which can attack younger teeth and, and cause problems with dental caries. So um, I would say, yeah, stick to your two to three cups of coffee a day and really enjoy them. It does increase mental alertness. So I would actually have it during the morning as opposed to late at night when you're trying to get some sleep. And um, the net effect of that doesn't seem to be too harsh in terms of its diuretic effects. So I, I think, you know, in the present climate, having an extra cup of coffee is far better than eating your way through a whole pack of biscuits or, you know, a big, large sample pack of, of tortillas or of crisps or whatever. Tea is actually very good. So even black tea, as in, I don't mean like the, you know, black leaf tea. I don't mean just tea without milk, but um, black tea, green tea, red tea, white tea um, and herbal teas. All of them actually have health benefits associated with them. So there are lots of flavonoids in green tea in particular, and that would be obviously the best one to choose or, or so rooibush, I call it, but I'm sure it's, I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, oh yeah, rooibush, yeah. Yep. Yes, yeah, which is my particular favorite. It's red bush tea from South Africa. And I really like the taste of that. Um, so those types of uh, antioxidant rich type teas can be very useful to us as well. Herbal teas, of course, if you are sensitive to caffeine, and some people are, they know themselves, if they've had a couple of cups of coffee back to back, they'll get jittery. And they'll get the very opposite effect to the one we want, which is to be alert and, you know, to perform well. They'll actually get very anxious with too much caffeine. And so that's not good. So they would be better advised to maybe take a, a herbal tea at this stage. Something like peppermint is quite soothing. And then something that could be... Um, 
uh, I suppose, soothing in the evening, something like chamomile might help to sleep. We're going to have lots of happy listeners, Paula. I can guarantee you that after that advice. Listen, I'm very glad to call you a friend. Um, when we bring th- real experts on the show, I say very little. I just very much host the conversation and the expert fills the air with really good content. And you've very much done that for us today. If people want to find out more about you, you've lots of books out. I know that. Uh, you know, Tell us where, what the books are and where they can find you on well, social media as well. I one here. <laughs> um, um, this is actually um, based on the traditional Mediterranean diet. It's called Mediterranean mood food. But in fact, it's it's quite an anti-inflammatory um, type diet. And that's the one thing we do know about the immune system. It's not about one nutrient and it's not about one or two foods that will boost your immune system. It's about a pattern of eating and an anti-inflammatory a, a pattern of eating a bit like the one that's described in this book so obviously diet is one pillar of health but you know if you're looking for any recipes mediterranean mood food will give you a whole host of soups light lunches and um, salad jars evening meals whatever you need great and in terms of social media uh you're on, you're on instagram twitter any of that i am i'm very bad on all of them i have to say i think it's <laughs> I think it's something that you have to love, and I, I have to say I struggle a bit, but I, I do from time to time engage on social media. So um, I, if you look up Polo Me Nutrition on Facebook, or I'm on Instagram as well. I think it's Polo Me Nutrition again. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly um, log on to my website if you need to. And um, generally speaking, I, I, I do participate from time to time. I am going to have to increase my presence. <laughs> well, you have such good content that it'd be a shame not to get it out there. Thank you so much for joining us on Real Health. Thank you, Mark. Folks, that's it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Thank you so much for joining us, Paula. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that. I've known Paula for a very long time. From the very start of my career, about 20 years ago, we, we, we've been working together. She is the go-to person when it comes to food in Ireland and nutrition. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. As ever, you know where we are. It's, it's Real Health at independent.ie. It's at Carl Henry P on Twitter and on Instagram come find us come send us some questions and suggestions if you have any of those above all stay safe over the course of these weeks and months mind yourselves mind your stress levels and eat really really well till next week slong full Leia Healthcare looking after you always proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry